back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 42, and believe it or not, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. Yes, it is old enough. We're going to be talking about it. This game came out in 2002, so by my standards, let's just say we're doing a preemptive retro podcast on The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, and I kind of just wanted to play it and talk about it. I got two fantastic people here to help me discuss this game. First off, back from the Player One podcast. Chris Johnston, CJ, how you doing? Good, I'm doing well. You know, it was windy out today, and I took out my little uh, conductor and uh, just pretended to be Link. It was oh, great. Yeah. Got got in your boat? Did you go in the backyard? You know, fill up the pool, get in the boat. <laughs> You have a camera at my house? How do you know that that's what I did? Actually, I got a buddy that works for the CIA. I don't know if you watched that front line, but I did. So uh, also we have on here Josh Hillier, who is getting ready to finish up the finals at uh, college, finish those final exams. And uh, that's a perfect timing because there's a lot of great video games coming out that he needs to play. So Josh, what's up, man? Life is good, and let me tell you that if you feed me Cheez-Its, I will give you all the information you need about this location. Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate, too. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, like I said, we're going to be talking about Legends of Zelda The Wind Waker, and some people did say, you know, is that real, really old enough to talk about? And uh, I, th- I think it is, and it will lead to some good discussion, and it is a game that uh, deserves to be brought up again, even though an HD version came out a couple uh, years ago, or I guess 18 months ago. So there's going to be a lot of music in this episode. I'm even going to be trying to stitch it in in between segments or in, like in the middle of segments, I should say. Uh, so we're going to do our best to make sure we get as much in there as possible because it is just outstanding. So we're going to take a quick break. You're going to listen to some music. Then we're going to come back with the history of the Legend of Zelda, the Wind Waker. Stick around. to talk about the history of The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, and obviously it has a fantastic history that is very interesting and somewhat controversial depending on what side you fell on when this game was first announced and later re-announced in its new visual look. But let's start with just saying that is it is the 10th installment of The Legend of Zelda series. So if you think about that, there's been, I think we're up to 18 now. So in in that time period, there's been uh, eight more games across the DS and, uh, of course, the uh, Wii and the GameCube version, uh, then the uh, second Wii game, and then on the 3DS. So there's been lots of great stuff in the series. It's all started with a tech demo. 
at Space World 2000 to show off Project Dolphin, where they showed a duel between Link and Ganondorf. And you got to see what this new hardware was capable of. People were super excited, like, we're going to get, you know, really realistic Legend of Zelda game. And then this is what happened. Designer uh, Yoshiki uh, Haruhana came to the office with a cartoonish drawing of Link, which caught the eye of the team and led them to instead consider a stylized design with cell shading. Designer Satoru uh, Takizawa said that the new art style opened up new gameplay paths for the team as the cartoonish animation could give a, quote, new sense of combat. And by ditching the photorealism that, quote, had the adverse effect of making information difficult to represent game wise so just to clarify that uh they were able to do really cool stuff like with link's eyes and for him to like look at stuff that might be uh important in a room uh also uh the puzzles could be presented in a way that players could understand them easier so space world 2001 one year later uh the new cel-shaded look was shown off and then immediately like this is when i'm sure original gaming age forum was kind of blowing up in the IGN forums, all that stuff, where people were saying, what, they just, they ditched that awesome, realistic look for The Legend of Zelda, and instead they went went with this kid, kitty, cartoonish version uh, of the of the look, and, you know, has ch- uh, Child Link and all this stuff. There was fan backlash. Some people said it looked cool, you know, it had a really great look to it, but uh, there's a part of the fan base that wondered what they saw at the original Space World 2000. And they weren't going to be getting that. But at E3 2002, uh, the game actually did win console game of show. So once people started to play the game, they really got to understand how well that art style looked. And I remember uh, when I was doing some research for this, Shigeru Miyamoto actually said, once all that negative feedback came, he said, all right, we're not showing you anything until this thing is playable, until you can get your hands on it and you can see why we're using this uh uh, cel-shaded look, we're not even going to show it to the press. So they waited, showed it in 2002. People loved it. Uh, the music of the game, which is incredibly important, whoops, I just knocked over something, uh, was composed by uh, Kenta Nagata, uh, Hajime uh, Wakai, uh, Teru uh, Minigishi, and of course Koji Kondo was on there as well. There's a fantastic two-disc version of the soundtrack that is available only in Japan. Uh, if you can order it and get a hold of that, I highly recommend it. It was worth the $30 I spent on it. The game itself takes place uh, several centuries after Ocarina of Time. We're not going to get into the timelines of The Legend of Zelda in this podcast. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Uh, the game also came out when it was released uh, in awesome bundles, and there was cool pre-order uh, bonus discs that came along with it that allowed you to play old Legend of Zelda games as well. When the game was released, it released two great reviews with an overall 96 on Metacritic. Uh, Nintendo Power, I think, also said it was one of the 12 best games to ever grace, or I think maybe it was number four, that graced a Nintendo platform ever. Um, you know, again, it kind of depends on who was there at Nintendo Power at the time. Uh, there were still complaints about the constant use of the uh, you know music mechanic and the baton. Uh, also always having to see that animation of composing the sailing speed and of course the thing that people talk about the most is the triforce hunt at the end which really bogged down the game 
According to the last reported numbers by Nintendo, Wind Waker sold 3.07 million copies worldwide, far below the 7.6 million copies that Ocarina of Time sold on the Nintendo 64. And uh, I don't know if uh, I know some of you guys wrote in the uh, the outline about the uh, controversy. I don't know if you have any specific memories, CJ, of when all that stuff came out, but I'd love if you shared them. Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, I was I was working at EGM at the time, <clears throat> actually, and uh, that trailer came out, and it really divided people a lot because it was very, very cartoony. It wasn't just the uh, cell shaded graphics style that we have now. It was like Looney Tunes, sort of overdone uh, expressions and enemies, sort of doing that uh, run in the air when the uh when the floor dropped out from mm-hmm. beneath them so it uh and i think link actually gives the camera a wink at the end of the trailer yeah. like there's a lot of little uh touches in there that were really cartoony and some of those did make it to the uh final game but that that part of it was really what uh what people took issue with um especially the editor in chief vgm at the time dan shu took major issue with it, uh, called it kitty and thought the decision to do that art style was stupid. Um, so I don't know. I always loved the art style. Quite frankly, I am documented in a copy of, uh, EGM that came out when they uh, first showed that, uh, it's the November issue, November 2001. When that was shown, um, I said that I loved it, thought it was great, thought it was a, a, a fresh new direction for Zelda, and uh, I, I still love it today. And, you know, when, when the game was shown off at E3, I think you said that, that people's uh, opinion of the art style changed, but looking back at some of these old copies of uh, EGM, I, I don't think it changed until the game actually came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People were still uh, very against it um, until they actually played it and had the game in front of them. Well, it's, I mean, it must have been tough being... You know, most of the people at the time, you had things like the Xbox out, the PlayStation 2 that were really pushing mm. realistic graphics, and there were more of a trend towards shooters like Halo and stuff like that, where, you know, may, I mean, for me personally, I was turned off too because I'm like, I'm friggin' 17. I don't want to play a game that looks like it was made for someone watching Sesame Street. Right. Actually, I think that's a lot of the problem that Nintendo has nowadays too, like sure, their yeah. games compared to what uh, you have on the Xbox One or the, the PS4. But, uh, you know, not helping their case at all was, you know, Namco released Soul Calibur 2 for mm-hmm. the GameCube and had the realistic style link. Yeah. And Nintendo had shown <laughs> off that demo. Like, it really, like, people really wanted that realistic uh, uh, look since that's what they thought they were getting. Well, even you got the uh, eventual reveal of what would then uh, or would later be Twilight Princess, the infamous mm. uh, reveal of that trailer that was at E3 where everyone's like, oh, my God, holy shit. I can't yeah. believe it. It's like, you know, Link's back, and it's the way we wanted him to look four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that mm. is uh, something maybe I'll, I'll stitch in here. But before you leave, I'd like you to step inside one World for Nintendo Game 
but I even looked at that again today just maybe because that was a case where people just wanted what they wanted originally and yeah. it was like saying all right you know cj we're, we're going to be getting you uh the legend of zelda uh ocarina of time for christmas but then you get you know wacky racers looney tunes wacky racers or something like that Not, or quest 64 or there something you go that's a, that's a good that's a good comparison um, Yikes. so that's legend of the mystical ninja that that might be even better so uh, a lot of that stuff uh is just there for for context i want to give you guys um Oh, let me let me say this. You were talking about uh, EGM and um, Dan and various people and the whole perception. Um, and and Chris, you even said the whole um, kitty thing with Nintendo. And so I see this. I see Wind Waker's art style, especially in that initial reveal, and then even the art style it released with, as one of the three big moments in Nintendo's history as yeah. a gaming company in terms of. Um, dividing the audience and I hate to use terms like hardcore gamers I, I really do but at the same time that's really who we're talking about in this particular case are the people who spend a lot of money on video games every year and read about them constantly um, and so we had Mortal Kombat the very first Mortal Kombat and that was what 1994 that the home console versions came out? Uh, 92 92? Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking of MK2, I guess. But still, um, Sega Genesis chose to have the blood option. Uh, you know, this is well-documented in Console Wars, of course, um, with the ABACABB code. And the Super Nintendo version, of course, opted for no blood and just, like, green sweat and, you know, whatever other colors to come out. And so that was one of the first big moments. And then Nintendo kind of didn't have any major issues for a while, and they even had some sort of racy games, like even Conquer and... Um, you know, the, the Bond games perfect were dark. pretty violent and Perfect Dark, yeah. Turok, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there were a lot of fairly violent games that were coming out for the systems um, that Nintendo put out after that. But then they sort of had this return to that public perception when they did the whole when they did this Wind Waker thing and, um, you know, Zelda, whatever you want to call it. And I, I thought that was really interesting watching that because I was a kid when the Mortal Kombat thing happened and I didn't and I really had a problem with it because I wanted to play a bloody Mortal Kombat as a ten yep. year old or whatever. And uh It doesn't matter if you're ten, man, you just because you wanted to see real people get cut in half. Like that's yeah, normal. Some Right. Somebody's head needs to be, a spleen needs to be dripping or whatever. Uh, Kano or something. I don't know, I can't think of the characters. But um but then I had this different reaction when I was a little bit older and Wind Waker's uh, trailer came out and they started showing off this new art style. I was actually really into it. And I felt kind of disconnected from my um, brethren and, you know, and, and sisters, just from everyone who was uh, talking about it at the time. And I, I think that Nintendo kind of backed away from that when you see that they did the whole Twilight Princess thing and then some of the other games that came out for... GameCube, like Killer7 and various other things. Did Nintendo have, I know that was Capcom, but I think Nintendo did something to make that an exclusive game. Um, but maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, but anyway, well, what they, did have, they did have like a contract to get like a couple of games from Capcom to be exclusive, at least timed for Nintendo. Right. And so like mm -hmm. Resident Evil 4, of course, really gory. Yep. But so my point here is uh, this was one of the three huge moments um, in terms of Nintendo saying we're going to do whatever we're going to do. And yeah. for their, for their detriment is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, publicly, in terms of public <laughs> perception, to their detriment. Okay. 
we, yeah, no matter how we feel about it or anybody else feels about it, this is probably in terms of a hardcore gamer's perspective, um, a bad thing, just like the Mortal Kombat thing and just like the Wii itself not having HD graphics, which was the third thing I was going to mention. Yeah, good call. Good call on all fronts. Um, yeah, what a, what, a, what a weird history just for, for how people even look back on it. And there's a lots of revisionist history with that stuff, too. So this is true. This uh, is true. Yeah, everybody see. likes like they everyone everyone acts like they liked Wind Waker's art style now. <laughs> you know that sort of <laughs> yes, they do. To do. So it's I funny, appreciate you know uh, Greg Seward, who's on Player One podcast with me, uh, is also in this EGM uh, editorial at the back of the magazine talking about Zelda, and uh, he he says that he hates the the new style and <laughs> thinks that it's uh, yeah. stupid. S T O O P I D. Oh. Greg. <laughs> Is that why he th- then later got fired by EGM for not being able to spell? Exactly. We deported him for that, yeah. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, I, I think it is uh, It's a very fascinating historical uh, you know, game to, to talk about yeah. and to look back on. So that's why we're, we're listening to it or talking about it on Back in My Play. <laughs> Sorry, that's, I want to bring that back. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. I apologize for that. Don't worry, there won't be any more of that. Uh, you're going to get to hear some more music from the video game, which will make you feel better. And then we're going to talk about our memories and our personal history with the game. So stick around. We'll be right back. of crap was happening the xbox was coming out everyone was playing halo and system link blood wake was just tearing up the charts selling millions of uh, i didn't really sell millions of copies but you know there was still that little cube that little lunchbox with its handle that nintendo was putting out for 199 dollars super cheap with a really great lineup of games that didn't seem to be connecting with a ton of people but then Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker came out. Like I said, I should have mentioned in the previous segment that it came out uh, in March 2003 in North America in December 2002 in Japan. So apologize for, for skipping over all that stuff, but you probably already knew that. So we're in 2003 in the United States, and this game is starting to come out. Like I said, it got rave reviews. So um, I'm really interested to see if, if you guys considered this uh, a system seller if this was some something worth picking up so uh now cj i'll hand it off to you again first just since you were you were in it you were in the press during the during the time of its release so uh what, what was it like when those copies did get to the office and people got to get their hands on it and really play it did their opinions change at all and, and what did you think of course i think most of the people in the office agreed that uh when they were watching it being played uh it was a lot 
a lot better than they had thought. And it wasn't as Looney Tunes as the original trailer made it look. Um, and for me, I had pre-ordered this game. Like I was really looking forward to this one. I am uh, a huge Zelda fan uh, on console. Not so much the handheld versions, um, except for Link Between Worlds. But uh, I was super psyched for this game. I thought the visual style was great. I had, uh, in February gone to the dice conference in las vegas and interviewed miyamoto um about the game and about uh about the uh the cell shaded style and like before our interview there was a there was a tv running just the uh the intro music just like the the title screen and even that and the little intro movie that plays over those uh scrolls with uh with that great uh that great music uh, role over it. Um, just amazing. Gave me goosebumps, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was super pumped when the game came out, played it. Uh, I, I actually did not finish the game when it, when it uh, originally came out. I, uh, the uh, Triforce Hunt threw mm-hmm. me. Huh. So I never finished it on the GameCube, but uh, I always meant to go back and do that just because... Uh, everything about the art style just uh, spoke to me in this very odd way, and I think the uh, you know the large eyes of the character and uh, you know the uh, exaggerated features made the characters in this game a lot more expressive and mm-hmm. a lot more easy to to connect with as well. And there are moments in the game, especially early on, where Lincoln's about to be fired out of a cannon. We have that little countdown, and you look at his face, and uh, he has this little like "oh shit" moment. And it's just great. I mean, the the whole game uh, <laughs> just really was a ton of fun. Loved the combat, loved the dungeons, except for the uh, the wind temple, which can go screw itself. Oh, uh, we're gonna uh, have to talk about that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, I mean, the cutscenes. I mean, cutscenes in Ocarina of Time weren't really all that great. I mean, they were okay, but it was Nintendo kind of getting their uh, their heads around doing the game in 3D in a cinematic way. But Wind Waker really took that and kicked it up to 11. And mm-hmm. uh, I, it's it's one of my favorite games for sure uh, of all time. It, it wow. was a it was a really. Uh, weird uh holiday season in 2002 because you had a lot of the you know obviously the xbox was in its second year the ps2 and the gamecube or i should say the the gamecube i guess was in its second year as well and the ps2 had come out uh the year before that so you had lots of games that were iterating on other stuff that was that was going on um but like the big games were like red faction 2 and it was a ratchet and clank came out that year uh, that was one of the big uh, PS2 releases. Uh, also, there were a couple games like Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion that came out side by side together mm-hmm. on the GameCube and the GBA. So that was like really what Nintendo was hanging their hat on was, you know, here is uh, Metroid Prime and that's going to be our, our big holiday release. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like there was like lots of kind of... Uh, interesting concepts for rough games like dead to rights. And, uh, then there was also really, uh, you know, bad star Wars game. There was, uh, <laughs> space channel five part two came out on PS two, but in Europe, uh, and you know, not, not a lot of like 
awesome software that fall. So it would have been a great time if they could have gotten it out, but then it ended up getting pushed back to spring of next year. So I wonder how much that really hurt the sales of that console and then its overall uh, lifespan. But hmm. yeah, it probably, it probably did. Honestly, when you think about it, that was sort of a make or break holiday season, like this past one that we had with the current generation of consoles. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know, Josh. How, how about for you? Were, did you have a, a GameCube at the time of its of its release, or was this something yeah. that made you want to go out and say, "All right, you know, it's time to get a GameCube"? My roommate. So I was in college at this point, and my roommate had a GameCube. I did not have one until a little bit later in the console generation. I bought one for myself. Um, but yeah, he had one and was a big Zelda fan, and so he bought the game, and so I just kind of played it. Uh, made my own save file, didn't have to pay anything to play it, which was Lots pretty nice. Of them, yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, Graham, uh, if you're listening to this. But anyway, uh, I liked the game a lot. Uh, I thought that the art style was incredible. Like, I was into it from the very beginning. Uh, because I, I think I've talked about this on this podcast a few times. I, I just really didn't like early 3D graphics. And I know they were getting better by the PS2 and Xbox and GameCube generation. But I still thought a lot of the games looked pretty ugly, aside from a few things like Halo. Um, I thought that most games it just didn't look as good as 2D graphics to me. Hmm. And so I, I, I immediately thought that that looked more like what I wanted games, how I wanted games to look um, when I saw Wind Waker. Yeah, and even at the time, it was like this, this style is timeless almost. I right. mean, there, there were cel-shaded games before this, right? I mean, Jet Set Radio and... And there was a Looney Tunes racing game that uh, was associated too. Yeah, wacky races. But uh, nothing looked quite like this, and they just really nailed that look where it 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 didn't look like it was being held back by the fact that uh, that the system wasn't you know technologically as good as the Xbox. Like it really Mm -hmm. just you know Nintendo worked with what they had. I think that's. This game is sort of the beginning of that, where you know even the, even the Wii U is is slammed for not being technologically awesome, but they're doing like 1080p, 60 frames a second stuff with uh, with very simple graphic uh, look, but um, still yeah, like Mario Kart 8 is just so gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, so it's about art direction um, yep. with Nintendo, and you're right. That's sort of it was like after the N64 generation that they started being willing to concede. Um, console graphics power for and, and for the cost benefits that they could get, and then uh, you know probably to their detriment with the Wii, we'll say. But the GameCube and the Wii U, I mean, it's been fine. Honestly, it's been fine. Uh, but I'll say that uh, though I loved the art style and was just mesmerized watching my roommate play the game, um, and I enjoyed playing it as well. I also never finished it, Jeez. Uh, like yes. CJ. Yeah, I yeah. I got to the Triforce quest. My roommate still finished it. I'm surprised you guys I, finished college. You couldn't even get through a Triforce quest. <laughs> college was easier than the Triforce quest. It was more. I was. It was more like. It was clearer where I needed to go um, to finish college. It was like, well, I just keep showing up <laughs> in this room, and That's I write right. some stuff down, and and I I've always talked a lot, and so teachers like that sort of thing. Or they're just not willing to, uh, you know, if you talk long enough, they just assume you know what you're talking about. Uh, so they gave me a degree, whereas uh, Wind Waker would do nothing of that sort. It just sort of, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't deal with it. I you just couldn't deal with it. a player's choice counselor, man. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been that guy in The Wizard. 
He was, yeah. he was just giving Haley tips. <laughs> oh man, that's such an awesome job. Yeah, yeah, it really was. But I don't know. I think this was around the time that job got canceled, right? Wasn't it like oh five, oh six? Yeah, uh, I think Jake Kazdal was like the last guy, and then he, when he left, it all shut down. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I overall didn't like it as much as some of the other three D Zeldas. Hmm. Um, I because I, I really liked. Ocarina of Time and um, Majora's Mask. So it had nothing to do with the art style for me, but everything to do with the Triforce quest at the end. It just killed so the pacing. It, was it just the Triforce that, that, quest, or that, was it also dungeon design? I See, and I like all the dungeons, like including the Wind Temple. I'm actually a pretty big fan of that one, hmm. uh, which you know we'll definitely talk about a little bit more, like maybe in the next segment, I guess. But um, I, yeah, I didn't have problems with the dungeon design. I think it, I still to this day think it has some of the best dungeons overall in uh, the Legend of Zelda series. Mm. Yeah, I just actually. yeah, I mean they're just phenomenal. But I mean I don't know. Do you guys is this the time when you want me to no, start no. evaluating the game no, no. or we'll, we'll, we'll do save we'll that do, a little we'll bit. We'll do it next segment. We'll, let's toss around a little bit. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so what about you, Kevin? Well, here here's the deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, it, it, it came out in March and. Uh, you know, I, I saw it. I definitely saw it, but I had an Xbox. I had, I had, I had Halo. I had, mm. you know, yeah. things like whatever the hell was coming out at the time. I can't remember, you know, half the games I had played on Xbox. What was that game, um, Brute Force? <laughs> no, I wasn't playing Brute Force, but I was probably, probably <laughs> playing like NBA 2K3 or something like that. Yeah, and, that would have been a better use of time. And with, with me, it was just like I, I looked at the GameCube and I just didn't see a lot of the stuff that I wanted to play on it. I think the biggest game that I wanted to play on it was uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron uh, was the game that I was most attracted to. But uh, when when this game was coming out, or I should say the uh, towards the, the end of the year, they had a, a bundle, a GameCube bundle, where uh, it came with uh, the Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Uh, plus, it also came with a bonus disc of other Zelda games. And mm. I looked at that, and uh, you know, I somehow pooled enough money together to be able to buy that. I probably traded some stuff in, but I bought it, I brought it home and I almost immediately felt regret probably because, <laughs> but I, but it was mostly because I, I think I emptied out my bank account literally to, to buy this thing. And I got to, to playing it. I really, I think it, it puts a great first, uh, you know, foot forward, uh, mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to, Introducing you to the world, introducing you to the new characters, and immediately showing you uh, a sense of urgency when your when your sister gets stolen, uh, when she gets kidnapped, and uh, the the way that the game sets you up uh, emotionally by having you you know wave goodbye as you leave to go look for your sister to go save her because you know you, all you have is you know I think it's your mother or your grandmother who can not help you. She is old and frail. It is on you to go save. Uh, your sister and you Mm -hmm. can see the emotion in the character's eyes Link's eyes of that he's he's scared like he's worried yeah. that he's not going to be able to do it 
Um, and that is when I was like, all right, man, I, I was super skeptical, but after reading all these reviews, like people are saying, this is, it's a great game. I'm going to try it. I'm sold. I'm, I'm in it. And then uh, you go looking for your sister and immediately this is when the problems start, start, uh, coming in for the game for me. And I, I say problems, uh, by saying like, this is, you know, a, uh, a, a gold rock that has some specks of dirt on it because you, <laughs> sure. you run into things like the stealth stuff that starts off at the beginning mm. of the game. Once you really get some momentum, you have the sword and you're going in and you're fighting enemies and you're seeing how fun the combat is. And then your sword gets taken away. As CJ mentions, you get fired out of a cannon and you lose your sword. And then you have to sneak around this area that you are not really sure how to get around. Uh, then you have yeah. to do all this stuff You'll get caught a bunch of times. You get sent all the way back to this prison cell. You have to do it all over again. So, you know, mm-hmm. getting into uh, a bunch of situations where I feel like they, you know, artificially prolonged the game itself, um, which will, will come up later. But, um, you know, once you get all that stuff done and you start playing the game and you start getting to really, you know, get in the boat and start going to all these new places, immediately starting to get into dungeons. And you know, you have a mission, you have stuff that you need to do. Uh, and it, I always thought it was odd, like immediately right off the bat, you get given uh, one of the, you know, whatever it is, one of the, this is, I reflected a lot when I started, I'm, I will take a step forward and then come right back. But um, when I was playing this game, I realized I love The Legend of Zelda, but I don't nearly know as much as like people who love The Legend of Zelda know. <laughs> like I don't yeah. know what the names of all the different uh, emblems and stuff like that to, yeah. that you pick up, like the fire emblem and the earth emblem and like the water, you know, medallion or whatever. Um, but I'm coming back. Don't worry. The uh, that that Are you looking is, it up? No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually just I'm just talking. But the uh, the thing is. I, I thought the, the the game kicks ass. Like it, even with all that stuff, the game kicks ass. I got to the uh, temple of the gods, which mm. when you see that, after, that is gorgeous. Oh yeah, after yeah. after you come off, I came off of Ocarina of Time. I skipped Majora's Mask because you know whatever. And when I when I got to that section, I, my jaw dropped. Like that mm-hmm. is. An incredible that is one of the best scenes in the history of the Legend of Zelda, and is something if you haven't experienced, just get up to that part if you don't like the Wind Waker and, and experience that part. Because when you go into Hyrule Castle and everything is like frozen in time, like you could tell that like that is one of the great things that I love about Ocarina of Time is the the importance of time and time travel and you know the manipulation of time where you can tell like they, they were, there must have been like this last ditch effort to lock Ganon away. So they just froze time and they hid Hyrule Castle underneath the ocean and they, they hid old Hyrule underneath the ocean. Um, so you're kind of seeing these events frozen in time and then you're almost, uh, you know, expected to clean it all up, but you're just a little kid. Um, so, so for me, like that, that was almost worth $60 just to see that was awesome. Then, Things really get slow uh, slow down again because I think you uh, both brought up there's there's some problems with the direction of the game mm. uh, where you're not really necessarily told where to go or who to see. You're just told, hey, you know, you should look around the islands. You should look around the islands. There will be answers to the question on how to get access to this temple or something like that. And that's stuff where I feel like I don't want to spend a couple hours wandering around asking everyone, like, do you know where – 
how to get into this temple and stuff like that. So those right. those are the little things that pop up in this game that slow it down and it kills the momentum. And that's not and, even counting the the Triforce stuff. But right. you know that's and and some people will say like when they hear you saying things like that and what I was saying, what CJ was saying, they'll they'll hear those statements and they'll say, well, I mean, what do you want them to do? You know, hold your hand like they do in Skyward Sword. And no, I'm not saying that you need you know like an open Zelda is a great thing. Like Link Between Worlds is one of the greatest games I've ever played. But. Um, but, but, but with Ocarina of Time, they at least show you. They show right. you where the dungeons are. They show you where you need to go. And once you get close to them, you know what you need to find is in a isolated area. When you find that you have to then get in a boat, you have to go uh, you know, sail for literally like 10 minutes to go someplace yeah. else to search for it. And it might not even be there. Then you're like, oh, well, I know this is other island. All right, I'm going to get in the boat, go for another five minutes. And then it, it just got to a point where I'm like, no, I think I'm okay. I'm going to just play NFL 2K3 or something like that instead <laughs> uh, because I just mm. couldn't deal with the the pace of the game. But it was surrounded by all this beautiful music, the beautiful animation, unbelievable graphics that still that GameCube game, you pop it into GameCube, you hook it up to a CRT, that game looks unbelievably good. And you don't even need the HD version. It just looks fantastic. So that that is why I, th- I think it's such a huge, tra- you know, it's really sad. You know, the little things that they did in that game that probably hurt people's experiences to uh, not have them see the, the rest of the game. But if you do see it, and I will mention in the next segment, I experienced so many things this time that I've never experienced before that mm. uh, was just unbelievable and, and fantastic. I just had a, had a blast. So... Um, but unfortunately, that is what caused me to then trade in my GameCube and, oh, uh, and those games because then I looked at the IGN release calendar and I saw, nope, there's really nothing I want to play on this thing coming up. I don't, my yeah. Sunshine does not look good. Um, I'm not interested in that. I'm going to trade this in and I'm just going to save up for Halo 2. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, limited budget. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, did either one of you have the component cables for the GameCube back then? No. I uh, I did not. Okay, yeah, I didn't either. I, I was just wondering, um, did that game benefit from it? I don't know if if um, if it had to. <clears throat> excuse me, if you had to like actually, if the game had to be designed with that in mind, or if it just upscaled anything to four eighty p. No, it definitely does. Like you can, uh, I, I believe there's uh, there's a select number of games on the GameCube that support four eighty p. All the Nintendo yeah. uh, first party absolutely did. So Wind Waker was an example, but of I that. think. If I remember correctly, you had to like hold down some buttons. You have to hold down controller. B or something when you start yeah. up the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I never had the component cables either, and now they're very expensive. Well, you can yeah. do the same thing on the Wii. If you go into GameCube mode and you have the Wii component cables, you can use that trick to then upscale. It won't do it automatically, so make sure you do all that stuff if why, you're going to play this game on the Wii. Yeah. With that in mind, why do people still pay so much for the GameCube component cables? Uh, because they don't want to hook up a Wii, or they don't okay. want to buy a Wii. It's the sensor bar issue, I guess. It's not a sensor bar issue. It's more of also uh, a rarity thing where people just want to own it because it is a cool thing to own. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Dude, it's, 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 we're human, you know? Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, no, I mean, yeah, if you have a GameCube and you have the component cables and you have the GBA player attached to it, that's a pretty sweet yeah. setup. I'm not going to lie. That's a, that is. a nice console. GameCube is one of my favorite consoles just in terms of design as well. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. even though I never really, you know, took it around anywhere, that handle is, it's just iconic, right? I mean, you, you know what the GameCube 
looks like. It looks like nothing you've ever seen before as a video <laughs> game system, right? I mean, when yeah. I was I was there when they revealed it at Space World, and I was just like, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> that it, here's this like square video game system with Boy, these little cool. little bitty uh, game discs. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> that was yeah, that was Nintendo's um, last time in terms of console design of doing something really radical looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, the N sixty four was pretty interesting looking as well, and the GameCube. And since then, they just sort of look like CD drives. Yeah. Well, I mean, the look of a console has become less and less important when you have you know um, a large TV and an entertainment center just full of black components, right? And everything's wireless, so you don't have to hook any controllers up to the actual box itself. This is true. Yeah. But by the way, uh, my my GameCube copy of The Wind Waker is one of the few games that I have signed by uh, A.G. Aonuma. Nice. Yeah. Very proud of that. That is incredible. Working hard on our new Wii U Legend of Zelda game, uh, which is taking some cues from the art style from The Wind Waker, so that's cool. Um, So, yeah, this is... uh, I think we all have really weird histories of the game because none of us completed it. All of us got into the roadblock of... Oh, you didn't finish it either, Kevin? No, man. I, I was like... Oh, I thought you I, did. No, I, I had play NFL 2K3. Like, I had a seasonal <laughs> yeah, play. Okay, you were getting to that. Yeah, you, what you were talking about, you know, like the Temple of the Gods and whatnot and... No, I'm, um, I'm really bad. If, if I if I get to a point where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting use out of this thing, I sell it. That's why I sell... I resell a bunch of my stuff and then I end up buying it back later. But... Um, both, yeah. both the, yeah. the the GameCube and the, like the N sixty four had like twelve different colors with translucent uh, see through plastic and stuff like that, and the yep. GameCube did have uh, great stuff, including the spicy orange uh, <laughs> GameCube, which I picked up in Japan and was worth oh, nice. all ten dollars that I paid for. It. Um, so let's wow. take a uh, let's take a quick break, and I think this is going to be our beefy segment, the one where we talk about the revisiting of this game and the fantastic opportunity of playing a fixed version of the game on current gen hardware. So stick around. We'll be right back. All the way back to 2014, we're hitting the holiday season. We just passed Black Friday, and the big hits are out on store shelves. People are just trampling each other. And even they were doing that way back in 2003 when these hot GameCube bundles were out with the Wind Waker. So uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to... I'm taking this as you know, my show. I'm going to jump in and say uh, that <clears throat> I played the, the HD version of this game, and... It is what I originally picked up a Wii U uh, with. I got the the Legend of Zelda uh, bundle for the Wii U. It was a digital download. I downloaded it to that console. I sold that console. I bought another console later, which was the New Super Mario Brothers U bundle. <laughs> After about an hour of tech support uh, through Nintendo's customer support, which is always unbelievable. And I even I went on my out of my way to email them because I also called them this week. They're the nicest people in the world, best customer yeah. service in the industry by far. Um, yeah. And 
then I sold that Wii U. And then I bought a refurbished one, which then after about an hour, I talked him into letting me download all my Nintendo Network ID stuff to this console. And uh, this this game has come with me through three Wii U's. So uh, through that oh. travel, uh, I've, I've attempted to play it every single time I've downloaded it to a console. Uh, and this is the time that I actually was able to make it through the game much, uh, you know, because of the, the show itself. But mm-hmm. uh, the first thing, that that I noticed, and I noticed this every single time, and even when I was playing it on the GameCube, and I should have—I didn't even look at my notes while we're talking about the GameCube stuff, but or the the past stuff. But the uh, the the lack of the ability to make your uh, camera controls inverted is always kills me because I'm an inverted person. I play all my shooters inverted, and when you try to start controlling the camera in third person on Wind Waker, uh, it becomes impossible. The only thing you're allowed to do is change it to inverted for first person mode, which makes no sense. Mm. Why would you want to use your camera regular and then use it inverted just when you're in first person? Uh, <laughs> that is weird. Yeah, and then when I went to go play Bayonetta 2, everything was all messed up again because I went back to inverted. So uh, that is that is one unfortunate thing. But this is by far the definitive version to play this game, not only because it looks mm-hmm. fantastic, it's running at 1080p, 60 frames per second on the Wii U, plus the, the gamepad is a gigantic feature uh, when it comes to playing this game. Uh, just to, to name off the top of my head, being able to look at your map instead of having to pause, being able to you know touch and drag and drop your items into different uh, button selections is gigantic. So mm-hmm. uh, if you are going to play this game today, I would say don't even hesitate go get it on a wii u and uh and pick it up it is well worth the uh the 50 dollar uh, retail price that it's going for uh the other thing that i did and it was more due uh because of bayonetta 2 but i picked up a, a pro controller a wii u pro controller and uh again i think that is something that makes this experience even better because i found myself with the gamepad on my lap i was playing with the wii u uh, pro controller in my hands and I was obviously watching on the TV so I could look down at the map and not have to like touch anything on the gamepad and just use it as literally a second like smart glass like a second screen experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which made you know the, the the gameplay experience much more streamlined so um <clears throat> The, the the game itself, uh, like I said, looks looks unbelievable. And the, for this playthrough, I really just did the first like two hours while listening to podcasts because I had to brute force everything that I had done the last two attempts because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to do it. And up to the point where I got to the uh, very first dungeon, uh, not the part where you save your your sister, but uh, when you get to uh, the uh, I think it's Dragoon Island. See, this is the thing. Like, I don't know the names of like anything, yeah, but I've I've played this game so many damn times. You just get confused after you played, you know, eight 3D Zelda games. But uh, when you go and you have to help out the dragon who's getting his tail burnt in the in the volcano. Mm-hmm. So uh, up until that point, everything is is fantastic, and you you run into uh, a lot of the good and a lot of the bad uh, right off the bat. First off. I, I forgot how great the, the all the characters, the side characters in the game are, whether it be going to the, um, which is like unbelievably hard, like the battleship mini game <laughs> where the guy will, you know, he, he's first off, he's like falling asleep at the counter. And then after you say you want to play, he grabs this like cutout and he puts his face in it. And now he's like a, a boat captain or a pirate. And he starts getting super excited to, uh, you know, have you play the game, faking the faking the excitement, I should say. And then whenever you, you know, miss, he goes, Splish. and then if you hit, it goes, Kaboom! 
and this is like it sounds so dumb, but it is super charming when you're playing a game, yeah. and uh, you know stuff like that happens, and it is what Zelda games do really, really well. And the same thing when you go to the the guy that is in his boat in the in the shop, and he's just like in a weird voice, like "Thank you," and uh, that that is just yeah. setting the mood for for this game. How uh, fun is Tingle? Still bad though. Tingle is still someone I. I don't care for um, the. Uh, yeah, we haven't talked at all about him yet. Oh man! We, no, I think we don't need to bring him up again. I, I think he, <laughs> you're done. good with that. Yeah, we can discuss Birdo. No, we. I mean, we can we can we can talk about lots of stuff. I don't think yeah. you know we need to talk about Tingle. Um, it, it also brought to the forefront that the 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 sailing, while it is a pivotal part of the game, uh, is. Up until the point where you get the swift sail, which is kind of a, too much of a pain in the ass to get, in my opinion. Yeah, for that to be a feature, I mean, that's that's that, dude, that's that's what I'm saying. When I went in to play this game initially, I'm like, all right, where's to get the swift sail? Like, all right, you got to go to the auction. I'm like, it's not there. And I waited <laughs> to the next day, and I used that song to change it to the next day. I'm like, it's still not there. It's still not there. And then you have to, you know, bid on it and have enough money. And you, I, like, initially I thought you had to bid on everything until it showed, uh, would show up. So I didn't know you could do that day and night trick. That was something I learned on the internet. Um, but yeah, it was, it was way too much of a pain in the butt. And that thing, if they gave it to you at the start of the game, if they just removed the original sale and gave you that instead, this game would be, uh, you know, miles uh, more mm-hmm. enjoyable just so you don't have to deal with the frustration of, oh, my God, I need to go east now. So now I'm going to change the direction of the wind. And even though it sounds awesome when you change the direction of the wind and it's like super cool when the wind comes from behind you and then Link looks back and then he looks forward and like how awesome that is. It's still once you do it for like the 50th time, it starts getting a little tiring. And the, the, no, it's still awesome. It's still awesome. Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> but even if, if they if they had like if you have the Wii U gamepad, I wish there was just like a button on it, like a selection where you could just click the, the button and it would automatically do all the conducting for you. So you don't have to, you know, what if you mess up one of the notes, you're going to redo it over again. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. These are these are little things, guys. You know, if you're listening, these are little things that, you know, uh, Otherwise, are a part of of, of unbelievably fantastic game, um, and I will say also that the the the, the ocean there's like the, I, I found the the ocean to be full of so much crap, like enemies <laughs> that that I didn't even care about attacking. You would just like try to avoid them, and they were just annoying more than anything because you would have to stop. And even like when you're picking up treasure, you have to like slow down, get on the very right spot, and then grab it. And if you don't get to the right spot, you get to turn on. You know, you got to bring your sail up again, and then you, oh man, I went too far in the other direction. Oh, great! Now I got to change the wind again to get me back to where I need to go. Like all, all those little things. Like, I'm did done. you not like uh, feeding the fish though? Like I didn't. No, I didn't care. Like you I didn't, didn't care. I didn't uh, like. Why do I tell you about the location? No, yeah, fill in my map. I don't care. Like what? Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't super super appealing to me. But at the same time, you would be like, oh man, I just stumbled across this this fairy, you know, fairy cave, and I got. You know, ninety nine bombs now. That's awesome. So yeah, um, that I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to I'm going to hand it off to you, Josh, just because I know there's the problem with this game. Like many of the games that we talk about on the show, is there's so much stuff to talk about. We're not going to hit on everything, but um, we'll probably do our best to make sure we talk about the the highlights. But I'm sure there's going to be people out there. Oh man, how, how did you not talk about the you know the uh, the 
what do they call like the the crazy bee kids or something like that 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 side uh-huh. mission where you needed to play hide and seek hunt that was so charming but uh and but, it was yeah certainly that was okay <laughs> well uh so first of all i think i'll come back to a discussion that just because I, I i could just echo everything that you said already kevin in terms of it's gorgeous um this is definitely the way to play it 1080p 60 frames per second all that good stuff um you know there's there's no real reason not to play it this way unless you have a CRT television and it's really like looking up a GameCube, more power to you, certainly. Um, anyway, I'm going to come back to what CJ was bringing up about the, the temples or dungeons, you know, uh, various names in this particular game, and the, with the wind temple specifically. And I think that's, that's my favorite dungeon in the game. And uh, I totally get, I posted something on Twitter about it a few months ago when I was playing through Wind Waker HD, and immediately I got a few replies from people saying, oh, it's so hard, you know, like, I, I refuse to look at a map, though, but that's, like, ruining the game for me. And so I totally get where you're coming from, CJ. Well, and maybe we can pause there for CJ. What, what do you find yeah, so rebuttal? irritating about it? I was using the leaf and having to, like, time jumps and having enough magic points to mm-hmm. uh get across gaps and uh that, yeah. that, that was basically my big problem with it because i had to redo a lot of that stuff over and over again i'm bad at games clearly. no you're not i've watched <laughs> games before I'm much better than, than plenty of other people in gaming media and whatnot i'll, I'll say <laughs> I, I didn't have any issues with the wind t- temple whatsoever i did not even i didn't look at anything to, to get through it it was, just felt like it was a long it was both the the wind temple and the earth temple are very long they're like yeah, super they dungeons and you know it's probably why you have only two like the second half of the game normally you're like oh man there's gonna be seven more dungeons that open up oh wait there's only two there's two temples mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're just so big. Um, well, what about having the companion? What do you, What do you think? Yeah, like uh, so. The CJ is that part of what you don't like in that particular? Oh. Uh no, I I didn't really mind that part. Okay, it was just more the leaf itself, and yep. not having to keep that person around. Um, no. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, for me, I, I just I really enjoy that vertical section of the level where, oh, where it's like a, a long silo essentially. Uh, it's just you know it just feels really unique and unlike most dungeons in Zelda, and sort of iconic to me. I, but I, I use the the trick in, in that dungeon. I use the trick of uh, if I ever got like stuck. Once you get the hook shot, you kind of have to make your way back up to the top. Yes, um, at least I did to to go retrieve my buddy. And the uh, it's such a pain in the ass to get all those grapple points and then avoid enemies. So I just paused, saved, quit, restarted the game, started back at the temple, went to that first pot, trans you know uh, warped to the midpoint of the level, back to where I need to be. I did that a lot. Was that faster? Time. Yeah. Huh. Dude, I got huh. it installed on my Wii U. It's digital. It's super yeah, fast. Yeah, man. <laughs> you go on and say it, CJ. Digital download future. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, indeed, though. You got that flash memory inside. It's smoking. Uh, but yeah, I think that dungeon's really cool, and uh, I enjoy the combat in the game. Like, it's, it's still super fun. I like that you can play it entirely on the gamepad if you want. I think that's really great. Or you can use the gamepad as a second screen. It uses that stuff pretty well. Like Kevin was talking about dragging and dropping items. This feels really intuitive. 
and uh, just simply makes sense. And I also like that when you're conducting um, the wind, that it, it'll show the various songs, like the notes that you need to play or the directions that you need to move the analog sticks. Totally. Yeah, it shows yeah. on the game pads. So you don't need to like pause and like, oh man, I got one note wrong, which, which notice when you just go right into conducting, it just shows all six of the songs on your game pad. Right, and that's and that's super smart. So even though I agree that it would have made sense to just make it a button press, you know, on the touch screen, that's still the next best thing. So uh, instead of having to try to remember the songs you don't play as often, for instance, I, I think it's pretty nice. Um, so a great way to play the game. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest here and say I quit playing it again. <laughs> <laughs> at the Triforce hunt at the end. Mm. I, I still have never beaten this game. I know what happens after the Triforce quest. Like I, I've, I've seen everything um, essentially from my roommate and various don't, other people. Don't but spoil it. Yeah, I, I won't say Don't it, spoil but. the final boss, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but I, I just still, I, I don't know. Like there's something about that. It just, it just kills me. I just can't yeah. keep playing through that. Uh, part of it, I think, is having to pay off Tingle for the... Uh, dude, F that, dude. Yeah. 398 <laughs> rupees to translate a chart? I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, he's a, you know, businessman. I mean, it was good in, in the HD version how they sort of... Uh, they shortened some things up, but they didn't get rid of that. Like, that would have been <laughs> the best thing. Or you could have like, just had one chart. They changed it yeah. from eight charts to three charts. But even still, with, with that, like, I found myself having to... I, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you not mention the, the Forest Haven and the Deku Tree and the unbelievable mm. remix of that song from Ocarina of Time? Holy crap. Yeah. Like, you're getting, mm. like, a little Scottish rendition of that song, and that is probably my favorite track in the game. Uh, and, I mean, Dragon Roost Island is another. Oh man, this soundtrack is heads and shoulders above everything, every other Zelda soundtrack by far, um, except for Blink Between Worlds. Uh, like this for the, the 3D games, like this this soundtrack and it, on two discs, like import it, do whatever you need to do to get it because it is uh, unbelievable. So I apologize for jumping in there, but. Um, so, uh, CJ, overall, uh, you, you went back and you, you played the HD version. So, yeah. obviously, it sounds like it was uh, a much lower barrier to entry when it came to getting past a lot of the stuff. Yeah, lower barrier to entry um, off TV plays certainly helped that um, as well. Uh, for me, you know, playing this game again... Looking at the graphics, uh, maybe they overdid it a little, little bit with the bloom effect on some things, but but, uh, <laughs> but it still it yeah. still looks great. And what what I think is unbelievably striking to me about this game is, you know, Link is so tiny compared to so many of the enemies you face, and yet he puts on this really brave face. And <laughs> you know, there's that moment in combat where they tell you to push the A button. And you do, and you either like roll around the enemy uh, to their back and like slice them up the back, or you jump over them and and slice their their head. That it's just so like the sense of scale and the combat in this game is uh, is just so satisfying. Like no matter how many times you do it, it's not it's it's not like the combat is complex in any way. It's very simple. 
but it just uh, it feels so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it really does in this, in this title, it, and especially the boss fights. I mean, Link is tiny, and he's going up against these huge enemies, and it. Uh, you know, you're talking about the wind, wind temple and that big corridor in the center. Mm-hmm. You just feel so tiny in that, and the sense of scale in in the dungeons and uh, the environments uh, is just great. Everything about this game is great, <laughs> and it, it really has that Nintendo touch. You know, Nintendo. You can like uh, go on anyone in any one of the little like islands or cities in this uh, game and sort of just look around and there's all kinds of things happening. Um, little details like the uh, the the grass blowing in the breeze mm-hmm. or while you're sailing, you know, the different waves uh, that uh, like the movement of the water and the wind yeah. and the seagulls, you know, show up in your wake and it's uh, just the attention to detail and the very, very little things in this game are what makes it great, really. I mean, mm-hmm. Josh, you were talking earlier about the, you know, the games of the, t- of the time in 3D not looking all that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think Nintendo's attention to detail and adding the very, very little touches that they do is part of why this game is so timeless. Yeah, timeless is a great word for it. You know, it's like Yoshi's Island and a few of their other games that they it just doesn't matter how long you wait to play it. It's still going to look beautiful. And that's the attention to, you know, great art lasts yeah. a long time. And I wouldn't put it with I wouldn't put Yoshi's Island next to this game. Yoshi's Island. <laughs> I said it. I don't know. But the. Um, the oh, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> so yeah that's the problem with skype folks um yep. so with with all, all this stuff being said you know we, we could talk about how great the dungeons are how like cj mentions how great the the combat feels i almost wish there was more combat mm-hmm. in the game i felt like i, I could have used more you know rooms full of enemies that i would like to you know battle with and mm-hmm. uh it is not just the the feel and the look of the combat but it is also the the audible feedback that you get whenever you do something like you you hit the a button and you're able to counter an attack on the right time or you have like the uh sword strikes hit in uh consecutive fashion where you get the uh increasing uh pitch of the the sound yeah. of, the, of the sword strikes that just like mm-hmm. like it is like we've been saying, it is the Nintendo formula for awesome fun to make you feel great. It is the thing that they transition to games like Super Mario 3D World and Mario Kart 8 and stuff that they're uh, able to do that they've just figured out that other companies have problems doing. Uh, some are able to do it, but th- there's just... And I apologize for just uh, for almost rambling because there's th- so many so many things I I want to talk about. Like CJ mentioned, you you go towards a new island, and as soon as you get close to an island, those like CJ said, those seagulls start coming next to you. And how many uh-huh. times did you guys just like even when you are in the boat and you're like, man, this is taking forever, but then you just start playing with the camera and you start like trying to get yeah. like cinematic. You know, like you're on a like a crane and trying to get like really cinematic uh, camera angles and stuff like that, and you're able to kill time that way. Um, you can take selfies, you know, for that matter as well, which I think is really hilarious and cool. Well, it's funny about that yeah. is I didn't even get the camera until the the Triforce hunt because I knew when I had to go talk to the teacher that the kids wouldn't talk to me about the hide and seek stuff until I found the camera. 
that was hidden underneath the or in the jail. Um, so I had to do do all that stuff. Um, this game is super easy. This game is super, super, super easy. Like this is by far the easiest Zelda game I've ever played. I didn't die once in the whole game. In terms of combat, yes, but not in yeah. terms of direction and knowing where you're going. Yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, what, what were you going to say? Uh, no, that's 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 all I was jumping in to say. It's just that uh, I agree. It's definitely a lot easier to like actually win the boss fights like your first time and all that um, compared to Ocarina of Time. And definitely Majora's Mask is a complicated game in a lot of ways. But uh, I don't know. And the fact that I still couldn't make it through the Triforce quest. And I could have if I'd really... It's not that I am not capable of figuring it out. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. It's just that... I just don't want to. Well, you know? it's it's a pain in the ass because you. I, I went to the teacher and um, she's like, "Oh, you know, I I really love these butterfly things, but I need twenty of them." And here's the deal: I had thirteen of them. So uh-huh. before I could progress, I had to go find seven more of those butterfly things. And when you're not really just finding them, it's not really easy. Like when you just find them, but it's throughout the game, you're like, "Oh, here's another butterfly thing. I must have a thousand of these." But I only it's had natural. Yeah, I only had 13, so, okay, that's immediate adventure stop. Immediate adventure stops right now. You have to go find seven of these BS butterfly things, then you have to go back, and then she talks to you, and then you get the deed, and then you have to go all the way back to, you know, her her private house on that island, and then you have to spend, like, another 25 minutes in that maze to try to <laughs> find the chart. And then once you get the chart, you take that and you go to Tingle, and you have to get it translated, and then you have to go find the pieces of the Triforce. So I, I think that part should have been completely taken out altogether. There should have been like three parts where you find three parts of the Triforce and then you can just do that, have one chart and then you're you're good to go. Um, this the Swift sale helps a lot, but you're still doing a lots of This is why I don't like games like uh What's that fantasy life? Like, I'll never play that because it just sounds like a bunch of errands. Like, and I won't play Animal Crossing because it feels like it's just a bunch of busy work for me to do where I want to be on an adventure. Like, that's what, even though I'm not, I I love Zelda games. Like, Like, I really, really love Zelda games. But it's because of that adventure. It's because of that epic music. It's like when you're in mm-hmm. Skyward Sword, which another Zelda I haven't finished. Um, this one is actually the only one that I finished besides Ocarina of Time, Link to the Past, uh, 3D World, and uh, the original Legend of Zelda. I've not beaten two. Majora's Mask, like I can get 30 minutes into before I'm like, oh my God, screw this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, same thing with Twilight Princess. I made it all the way to the end of Twilight Princess when I was in college. And then I like had to, I got in some financial trouble. So I had to sell my Wii and my uh, copy of, of, of all my games. I just haven't been able to make that 40-hour trek back to the end of uh, Twilight Princess. But those, those epic moments, those moments mm-hmm. when the music comes in and in, in Skyward Sword, to bring that in for a second, there's a point where um, you're about to get attacked by that like weird, that really kind of weird-looking dude that's, that's in the game. And uh, you're him or whatever. I don't know. What, sure. Mm-hmm. And there's this like this, you know, light beam that's coming at you. And at the last second, someone jumps in and blocks it. It's like, no, I got this. I got this. You uh-huh. got to get you got to get Zelda out of here. I got I this. And then you like get out of it. And, like that was by like that was probably with the, the Temple of the Gods is like, man, one of the two most epic moments like in the, the history of Legend of Zelda for me. Ha 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 ha!
And just how the music comes in and how it makes you all feel like, and you just feel like, oh my God, this is, this is so much, that's why I like, like Fast and Furious movies. It's like, this is so awesome. Like, (laughs) I can't believe this is happening. This is so epic and I get to like control it. I get to be a part of it. Um, So, so that is why these, these games are, are so magical to me. And that's why we're going all over the place because it's so hard to talk about a 40 hour game, you know, in an hour, like it's impossible to do. And that was beautifully said though. I like the enthusiasm there. Absolutely. You know that yeah. uh, that teacher's island that you go to? I thought that was just re- kind of ridiculously detailed for a, basically a throwaway place. It's like, doesn't that have like a pool outside? And it's like this really like palatial estate on this island <laughs> yeah. for, for no apparent reason. It's great. There's there's <laughs> there's a door that's alive. Yeah, the door. The door is is a, is a butler that's alive and that will only let you in if you show uh, him the deed uh, to the house. But then, then uh, you know, I, I I ended up getting like I took me I don't know two and a half hours to do that Triforce crap today, and mm-hmm. I eventually got to that. And then the the only thing that was kind of disappointing is like it is just like Ocarina of Time when you maybe not like Ocarina of Time, but it, it feels like every end of Zelda game where there's going to be multiple forms of Ganon, you're going to have to go through, yeah. you know, a bunch of enemies, a bunch of challenges before you get to Ganon. You're going to have multiple forms of Ganon. Uh, but I really enjoyed how at the end you're fighting him together with Zelda as you have to like line up the, the uh, you have to line up Ganon. So he's right in between you and Zelda. So Zelda can fire, you know, the legendary, you know, magical uh, golden, uh, arrows at uh, at Ganon to to attack him and like there's even really cool parts that they put into it like there'll be parts where he's like no I get what you guys are up to now so he grabs Zelda and like knocks her out so you're like oh my like oh shit what am I gonna do now um, and then there's a cool twist at the end which I'm, I, I still don't want to ruin because I mean even if you know all that stuff there's a really cool twist to the ending and the uh, the credits themselves a bit of a disappointment. No one can beat the credits of uh, Ocarina of Time. Like those are by far the best oh, credits yeah. in the history of Legend of Zelda, um, and uh, that is why we almost did that game because I'm like, man, this is Christmas time. This is a Christmas game for me. Maybe we should play Ocarina of Time. But again, it gave me an excuse to play through this game. So awesome. Um, so so any uh, final words, uh, Josh? Anything you know? Just wrapping up your your thoughts on this game. Uh, what would you give it? You give it out of a, a point a thousand point scale. What would you give? A thousand point scale. Um, like a probably, ninety like ninety nine point nine. Like the thing PC gamer used to do. Yeah, sure. Uh, probably like a a ninety point zero. Um, but just because I can't get past the Triforce quest, but I recognize that it's beautiful and it's an it's an important game and it's still a game I love a lot. And uh, would consider one of my favorite Zelda games, despite the fact that I haven't finished it. If if we were on a video game forum, people would be eating you up because you didn't even finish the game, dude. Like, what do you do? You just put like two hours of the game and you write a review. What is yeah, this? What is like, this? EGM. <laughs> <laughs> I always that's one joke I always remember. Uh, anyways, uh, so CJ, obviously the the HD remake is is the one to one to get. Is uh, you know any final thoughts for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I would give it like a nine fifty. Um, the the Triforce hunt uh, and the, the buying the maps is like the the worst part mm-hmm. of that. But everything else about this game is fantastic. Especially we didn't talk about 
uh, her specifically, uh, Medley, the little uh, bird. Yeah. Girl. Uh, just real, just a really interesting and touching story there. And the music, you know, with the scenes, uh, with her are fantastic and almost made me tear up <laughs> actually. Oh, I know. I know. Like, I know. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. You know, the goosebumps. There. It's just great. Everything about this game, uh, presentation-wise, specifically, is which part were you starting to tear up at? Can I guess? Can I? Can I guess? You go ahead and guess. Uh, I think we're when when, when she becomes a sage and she basically yes. says, "I need you," you know, please look over the little guy, the little prince, and, uh-huh. and make sure that he's going to be okay because she's been looking over him for you know forever. So, yeah, dude, that same thing, man. Go. Man, that that hit me too. I'm like, oh my god. Like yeah. I, you wouldn't like the sacrifice you have to have to be a sage, and it happens in every Zelda game. All these guys yeah. need to give up their, you know, their lives to then protect Hyrule for another generation of links to be born. And I don't know. Totally, this is probably one of the best narratives overall in any of the Zelda games, though. Like sitting here thinking about it right now, and uh, and I know how everything ends certainly as well. It's it's pretty incredible. It's by far the most emotionally uh, driven Zelda game until, I would say, Skyward Sword. And even uh, the end of, I mean, believe it or not, the end of A Link Between Worlds, like that, that last mm-hmm. scene at the end, which, again, I don't think we should, it's kind of new. So yeah, that's too new, it. I agree. Um, but that last part when you think the game is over and then it comes back, you're like, oh, my God, that, and this thing happens like that is... Like, that, that that's cool, too. But this is why these games are so magical, and it is why... It is why, you know, Zelda on the Wii U, please, whatever powerful being there is in the world, if you can make sure that that game comes out in 2015, I would be forever grateful. <laughs> please don't let that get pushed back. Um, <laughs> but I, you you know it'll be good when it does come out, right? No matter what. Yeah, regardless. In yeah, 20, 2018, we'll have Xbox <laughs> 2 and PlayStation 15. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, okay. So let's you, uh, go ahead. One sorry. more, one more thing yeah, here. Of course, yeah. uh, you know, like during the 16-bit era, you had these games like you know, Final Fantasy VI is one of those games too, where the opera scene is one that a lot of people point to as being like an emotional scene. And there were maybe were a couple games in 3D that had emotional punch. You know, when Eris dies in Final Fantasy VII or whatever. Um, but you look at like PS2 era, Xbox, GameCube. I think Wind Waker is is one of the only games that got emotion and narrative correct during uh-huh. that time. Mm-hmm. Do you think part of it's the art style? A like, large part of it is the art style. Yes. Yeah. So beyond just the writing itself and the scenarios, which are emotional, like we were just describing, um, it's seeing it on people's faces. Yeah. You and know, even though none none of the characters are voice acted, right? I mean, it's all it's all text. And it's all like grunts and groans and splooshes <laughs> and splooshes exactly. But you get you get emotion out of that, and you sort of sort of like in the sixteen bit era where you're sort of applying your own. Uh, vision of what's happening to uh to the sprites like mm-hmm. you uh you feel for these characters you're invested in the in the narrative that's that's going on and uh this is something that that came out uh, after the fact or maybe i saw it uh, when when hd came out but um how this whole art style was taken off of a uh, a japanese anime um that that if you if you go and check it out it looks like just like the the wind waker and maybe this is <laughs> 
maybe this is just a disconnect, you know, how anime and, you know, animation itself is a much bigger uh, thing in Japan compared to the United States or the, the Western side of the, the, uh, the planet. So hmm. it might be just another reason why we did not get super excited about it. And instead of uh, Japan, which you'll still go there and you'll see Wind Waker stuff, like more Wind Waker stuff, like theme stuff than any other uh, version of Zelda. When you look at toys and, and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, isn't it true that in Japan the Zelda series has been on sort of a steady sales decline ever since Wind Waker? Like that was the last console Zelda that did really well in Japan. It has been here. Zelda itself is on a big decline. Yeah, but still, like it's it's done much better here than comparatively than to Japan. Only thing um, that sells in Japan is Pokemon and <laughs> uh, you know Mario games. Yeah, even Mario I mean, games are going down. Like it's yeah. weird. And yeah. uh, Senran Kagura. Senran Kagura to no reverses, <laughs> which I'm very happy to uh, to update everyone that I played, after I played the initial hour to talk about on 8.4, I've uh, not opened it, and then I traded it into Amazon for a gift card. Uh, so someone is going to, if you want to get it from Amazon, I'm sure you'll probably get my copy of it uh, that is br- <laughs> like mint. It is like mint. Uh, so and, and it smells like you too, is the other part. Mm. Is that Kevin Larrabee <laughs> scent? Yeah, it smells like green tea Kit Kat. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we got actually a lot of stuff to talk about in that last segment. I hope you guys are you know, fully energized. We're, it's 11 p.m. here. And uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with one more awesome segment. And I really appreciate everyone out there that stuck with us because I know this, this, this is a topic that gets us all over the place when it is such a vast game. And it is why it is going to be really hard to do stuff like RPGs down the road when there's almost uh no way we can condense a 40-hour game into an hour of discussion so thank you everyone out there for being uh patient with us so we're going to take a quick break and like i said we'll be right back but guess what you get to hear some more kick-ass music from the uh legend of zelda the wind waker uh so here it is Right, here's the awesome segment that is not time sensitive where we're going to talk about a bunch of retro stuff and the first thing that i think since you know it is this is actually time sensitive this part uh there is uh, a really cool kickstarter going on from uh our good friend kwan who created the uh neo geo omega console that i have um he has and that, it was so weird like i totally forgot i talked to him about this like months ago when we did the neo geo stuff but he he's been working on this this 72 pin adapter for your NES that will never need to be replaced. Like it, it is built like a tank. And even if you've replaced a 72 pin adapter in the past, like those things break down super fast, like from third parties. So mm-hmm. um, he's created something that is called uh, blinking light, uh, the blinking light win. I don't know how I got that name, but uh, anyways, it is a device that you can install into your NES and basically never have to install another one again. Uh, and he's been working super hard on making sure that this thing will last forever. Like he's been putting carts like in and out, in and out, in and out, like thousands of times to make sure that this thing is, is going to hold up. And it's $18. Like it is, 
is probably twice the cost of a 72 pin adapter and to not have to ever open up your NES again to, to put things in there, uh, is worth 18 bucks. And it's uh, again called blinking light win. Uh, and you can find it on uh, Kickstarter right now. And he's a good dude. He makes great stuff. The Neo Geo Omega is very high quality and, uh, he knows what he's doing. So I will put my, I, I bought one or I kickstarted one or whatever. Um, so I'm willing to, uh, say you should probably go check it out if you have an NES. And I agree that's an awesome product and like seriously something everyone should support. But it is sort of funny to imagine him plugging cartridges in and pulling them out over and over again for like hours. QA um, man. QA. Or maybe maybe he has yeah. Maybe he has somebody helping him with that. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, he actually has like a enough enough people now. He actually has like a like he all this stuff he's done is like he has a real job. But he's right. been doing all this stuff, like the, the Neo Geo stuff. And he even made his own fight sticks. Like he modded uh, fight sticks to work with the Neo Geo and for a bunch of other consoles. Um, so he's a good dude and he has a complete MVS collection. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to thanks in part to me for giving uh, some of my games to him. So uh, good, good job. Yeah. That's for the greater good. Yeah, I don't, I don't need all the, that stuff. Um, also, this is really weird. I was on, just randomly, I was on Nintendo's website. It was actually because I was going to call customer support, which I didn't, I should step back. Everyone knows it's 800-255-3700. Everyone knows Nintendo customer support number, but I actually uh, <laughs> had such a good, I had these codes that I got from the Mario Kart 8 promotion where you could get a free game, and I got New Super Mario Brothers U, and I just never redeemed the code, and then I went to redeem it the other day, and it's like, this code has expired. I'm like, hmm, I'm looking at the email. There's no expiration date on the code. Uh, so I called them up, and they were super polite. I'm like, oh, man, it's just a bummer. Like, I was hoping, you know, you guys, I wish you just put, like, an expiration date. I would have, you know, put it in earlier. It's my fault, but I was trying to talk my way into getting a new code. Um, but... Katie helped me out. Katie was fantastic. And then I went out of my way to email Nintendo, like their contact and their PR, because they need to be uh, really commended for how fantastic mm-hmm. their, their uh, phone support it is unbelievably good. And the people that they hire are just incredibly nice and great. Uh, so that's yeah, it. that's very rare, especially in the tech industry. Oh, in it's super age. rare. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I was on their website. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's always cool to see like what refer prices are for their hardware and stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll pick up, you know, if they have uh, extra game cases. I actually got some uh, Wii U game cases because I don't like the red one so much. So I'm going to swap that out and put a blue one on. But uh, they're actually selling used refurbished uh, video games on their official Nintendo store now. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you haven't, you know, bought anything through them, their, their, their quality standards are incredibly high. Like you, yeah. you get a console, like I bought my, my 3DS through there, my 3DS XL. And I also bought my, um, Wii U through there. And all the times, every time you pick something up, it looks like it's basically brand new. But, uh, if you go to their online store, at least in the United States and you go to refurbish, you can then click on, uh, Wii. Uh, right now, they only have Wii games, but if you click on Wii, you actually see they have games like uh, Excitebot, Excitebots, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, Mario Kart, New Super Mario Brothers, Wii, uh, Pikmin U, and uh, the price of them are very great. They even have Punch-Out for eleven dollars, which is huh. is impossible to find in stores now. So if you really want a copy of Punch-Out, like j- as soon as you're listening to this, jump on there and buy it because it is impossible to find even in GameStops. It's like. That's, that's cheaper than GameStop. Yeah. Like, cause I was looking yeah. at used Wii games at GameStop the other day. Yeah. 
and uh, punch outs like nineteen or twenty dollars. So I think it's like thirty bucks. Oh wow! Yeah, there it's because uh, I've been doing the same thing. It's getting to that end of the generation where like if you want certain games for a console, you should start looking now before yep. uh, they're hard to find. Even games like uh, New Play Control Pikmin uh, for uh, the Wii is $16.50 where if you're on eBay it goes for like 40 bucks. So, I don't know why they started doing this and I don't know where they're getting these games from, but I ordered uh Pikmin, uh New Super Mario Brothers Wii, Kirby's Epic Yarn, uh and uh I think I bought something else and Did you get Excitebots, Kevin? You mentioned that a minute ago. No, actually I bought that when it came out brand new. Like I bought okay. that the week it came out. I love that game. Yeah, that game is incredible. Okay. But it's not something I'll probably come back to. Uh, again, when there's other stuff like Forza Horizon 2 to play. But I just thought, I thought that was weird. And if you go on their website, check it out. Uh, if you want to pick up some of those games, uh, even like Kirby's Epic Yarn for $11 is worth picking up. You know, they mm-hmm. got pretty good reviews. So I'm um, looking forward to playing that. Um, go back to the outline real quick. Uh, also, I want to mention uh, two quick things. First off, uh, I got a, a code for Fantasy Heroes. Uh, from This is from Arc System Works. And I've been playing through that. I've gotten like two hours into it. And this is a really weird game. It's like a... Uh, it's, it feels a lot like an ease game. It's like an ease game, and you have these really cool characters. Uh, I'm playing as a pro wrestler, like a luchador, uh, luchador and uh, you get to do like awesome body slams and stuff like that. It's just a weird game for PlayStation Vita. If you want to check it out for, for $15, it's cool. It's uh, an RPG with lots of your JRPG tropes of like, oh, my God, the world's, you know, everyone is uh, impoverished and, you know, you're living in this certain area. And then you get these powers to start fighting back against the, you know, the evil that, that came across the land. And you get to go to a job board and accept jobs and then go out and do the jobs and then you get XP. Um, but it, it is pretty cool. I would, I would, you know, check it out if you're looking for something to play on the Vita. Um, like I said, I've only gotten about two hours into it, but, uh, it's cool enough. The music is cool. The only thing that's really annoying is the, uh, the enemy noises that they make, um, hmm. are, are pretty, pretty bad. But, uh, if you can forget about that, everything is, uh, cool. It's just, it's, it feels like a JRPG, like a, like an ease game from like 1997, which is, good and bad like even if you go to like sell stuff back to the store you have to do it one item at a time so you could have like seven of these bows and you get to select the bow sell it back get your money select the next bow sell it back get your money so that is a little weird but um yeah no thank you for for them to to give for giving me the code uh and it's definitely something i'm gonna keep playing speaking of codes good friend mike micah uh has been up on Twitter and uh, been up on giving back to the community. And I got a code for IDARB uh, for, for the Xbox One platform. And uh, the code is not active yet. But the um, reason I'm saying this is if you've been uh, following Mike's stuff and you've been listening to the podcast, you might want to say, hey, at Mike J. Micah, I love IDARB. Do you have any more codes? That's all I'm going to say. So uh, he what, has, what a good dude, though, seriously. Mike Micah's a lovable man. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's totally given back to the community that, you know, helped uh, give him weird ideas for the game. And uh, from the, the last that I, I talked to him a little bit off air from the stuff that they're shipping with the game. And this game is nuts. This game mm-hmm. is just, I have no, like, 
I can't wait to play it because I have no idea what to expect. But um, just in terms of the Twitter integration, if you listen to that last interview that I did with Mike, uh, the, the stuff that they're doing and the way that they can min, like update the game is just it's just crazy. I can't wait till till everyone can can get it, uh, get their hands on it, and uh, play it. So I don't know. This is uh, this is where I'm gonna tossed it off i don't know cj you got anything cool that you've been playing outside of you know the normal stuff you playing anything for the show this week what am i playing far cry 4 uh i'm looking forward to captain toad Mm. in a big way um let's see well hold on cj now why are you still up right now recording this podcast that relates (laughs) to captain toad i think you didn't tell them yeah, you guys are giving me an excuse to stay up till midnight to download Captain Toad right when it uh, shows up on the eShop. So this is good. Brilliant. <laughs> pull, pull out your uh, your whistle, your your train whistle for uh, man. That's, that's right. That yeah. I, I do really dig the uh, the look of that. I, I don't know if I'll pick it up immediately, but it's also because I picked up like four Wii U games, and there was like a Target had a great sale on on uh, 3DS games. I bought so many damn games over Black <laughs> Friday, and it was they were all for Nintendo consoles except for like Lunar for the PSP, which was ten bucks, and uh, a couple of PS3 games that were ten dollars. Mm. Um, but the uh, man, the Wii U has a lot of games, guys. Jeez, it does it has a lot of great games? Holy crap! <laughs> um, especially right now, coming into to the winter and early next year, there's so many. I even rewatched the, their E3 uh, press conference the other day while I was like, I've two monitors and while i was doing work i'm like i need something in the background like man i could totally watch that kirby kirby's uh (laughs) whatever the the weird uh kirby canvas curse thing trailer again and like all the cool stuff that they had man they had a kick-ass e3 too um they really did man i'm rambling this is what happens when we record at 11 o'clock at night so (laughs) josh how about you you playing anything else i know you've been sick you've been playing any new stuff or old stuff what have you been doing yeah i finished bayonetta 2 last night (gasps) And uh, what a charm. I won't spoil because I actually do think that game is a pretty decent story. I know everyone loves to poke fun at Platinum Games for their narratives, but uh, I think that's actually a pretty good one. And it has a really charming ending overall, if you ask me. And a super fun final boss fight. You meet some people you would be surprised to meet over time. And uh, that's my favorite game of the year, no doubt about it. it. Now I'm starting yeah. to think about who you're going to see, and they'll be like, oh, it's published by Nintendo. Probably Nintendo characters. Damn it. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, they, they mean, showed the the trailer for me. Like I said, I watched the E3 thing the other day, and in the trailer for E3, they had Bayonetta like wearing Link's costume and like uh, you know the Metroid Samus suit and stuff like that. Right, so, the Star Fox suit is there too. Um, that's uh, doesn't mean you have to meet those people though. It just means that those yeah. outfits are available. Are they, um, are they are they downloadable content? Or are they in the game? They're in the game. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's not... It's just like you have to get a bunch of coins to pay for them. Whatever. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like two hours into that, and that Marines, game I mean. is awesome. It is It is the Fast and the Furious of Wii U, yes. the Wii U's <laughs> library. It's the Fast and Furious 6 of the Wii U library. No joke. Like, that game is balls to the walls, crazy awesome, super funny and charming. And Kevin. even I didn't like the first one. I didn't like, I could not, huh. the first one was way too hard for me. Um, but somehow I'm like able to actually figure this one out. Um, and have, it's great. Have, have you made it to the, the episode called the two meet? No, it's the one where, okay. It's, it's pretty early in the game. This isn't a big spoiler or anything. Um, it's just a boss fight level. You know, some of the chapters are simply boss fights yeah. and that's in this one. Um, you're just 
fighting an enemy, uh, a demon, and um, like your giant hair monster version of yourself is also fighting in the background. And oh, no, so no. it's like this it's like this giant like robot fight between the the so like you and the other demon are fighting and then um, the hair monster version of you and then like some other version of the demon are also fighting in the background behind you. And it's just um, you know talking about the fast and the furious of video games, it's just over the top, ridiculous and uh, that that level, I've gone back and played it so many times. I need my, and I don't my normally Letty do that. skin. I need my Letty downloadable skin, and maybe like a like a like a Han skin too, if you can show up. Yeah, we'll look into that. The, uh, the game itself runs like almost locked at sixty. It, it looks unbelievably good for <laughs> like for a Wii U game. It looks really really good. Um, yeah. And if you own a Wii U. And uh, unless you're CJ, I highly recommend you pick that game up uh, as long as you like the franchise. So, um, yeah, you know what? I, I don't you know, I don't like certain franchises myself. So this is I'm, one, just, I'm surprised I love so much. I've just never liked anything that Platinum Games has done. Just not I just well, can't get into it. Just can't. Yeah. With that being I said, I, I never got into Vanquish either. I could like I liked it, but I couldn't keep playing it. Guys. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I've I've professed my love of platinum on here before, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we use man. I've even, I even popped in Zombie U for the first time, and I'm like, man, this game's oh. kind of cool. It yeah, is. Zombie U is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat game. Um, you know, it has some elements of Dark Souls or Demon Souls in it, and it's a it's it's a lot of fun. I need to go back and play that again too. It still holds up pretty well. Uh, yeah, I, I think it looks looks all right, and you know, it, it was it was cool right before I played that. I, I deleted NES Remix off my system just to get it off the screen because of how bad oh. it is. Um, oh. Wow! <laughs> but uh, you and Greg, huh? Oh, Greg doesn't like it either. No, okay. I love the NES Remix. It's great. It just came yeah. out for 3DS. Yeah, you in can case play you, with in it, case you don't have a Wii U. Yeah, and it's missing a bunch of games on the 3DS. Well, that's true. So, but CJ, you realize in the that AB in the AB bullshit on the you can't remap the controls. You know what stamps? <laughs> exactly, Whatever. it's all about the stamps. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I you know the Wii U has somehow been super justified for me in these just last couple of months. I've been playing it almost more than my Xbox One and my PS4. So, um, are you are you big into the uh, Miiverse? Have you been posting on that? I, I never do. Oh man, because that that really uh, to me that opens up just a, a lot more. Like uh, when I was playing Wind Waker, I'd get stuck instead of rushing to Game Facts or the Nintendo Power uh, Strategy Guide that I have. <laughs> I uh, would post on Meverse, and I would get an answer within like five minutes or less. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You must have great. more friends than than no, I do no, no. on the thing. Not even, not even friends. It's just the the game communities on there uh, are super helpful. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, because people are on all the time for whatever reason, yeah. and uh, yeah, it is it is a really nice, inviting community. Damn, I just man, if if, if Nintendo could have just done a couple different things with all this stuff, it would be probably my my favorite console. But with that being said, it has very soft round, uh, soft edge discs, which are great to touch. Um, and yeah. <laughs> the games hold their value. So I'm very uh, open. To, like I said, I, I, I didn't mention this on air, but like I bought Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I bought Hyrule Warriors. I bought Mario Kart 8. I bought 
Um, what else did I buy? Uh, Bayonetta 2. I bought that Wii U Pro controller. Like, I spent 200 bucks on my Wii U uh, in the last week, and I didn't buy a damn thing for my PS4 Xbox One. So Wow. That's, uh, that's how the... I, I knew you guys would like it. You guys like Nintendo. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to say that for you guys. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, but you're going to love Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, by the way. That's that's my favorite platformer of the year. Well, I, you know what? I got the the returns for the – even though I beat it already on the 3DS, like I sold it a year ago. It was only 15 bucks at Target, so i actually been playing through that again, which is super weird. I don't know why I'm playing that instead of anything else. Uh, and I even got um, – I don't, know, I don't know why I bought Animal Crossing. That's going to sit on the shelf forever. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll give that away on the show. All right. Uh, yeah, that might be good. All right, cool. So I think that is where we're going to uh, wrap it up. Um, I will say that uh, the next episode, I think, is going to be Game Boy Music, uh, I think, because it's going to be a very busy month for everyone. It's uh, mm-hmm. going to be hard to get some stuff together. So uh, that might be an easy one to do. And... Uh, I got some some more emails out to some game devs that uh, are doing stuff today and are doing stuff that is influenced on stuff of the past and not to spoil anything, but uh, there could be some cool stuff with that coming up. And um, I will say, you know, I'd love if everyone would would go to uh, iTunes and subscribe to the show on there. And while you're doing that, uh, please submit a review and do the same thing for for Player One Podcast if you enjoy that. Uh, if you are not already, you can also subscribe to the Player One Podcast through iTunes, or you can go to Player One Podcast dot com at P One Podcast on Twitter. And uh, for back in my play, it's at back in my play on Twitter. And uh, that is uh, all fantastic stuff. I will say, no, I, I will throw this out there too. If you do want to support the show and you want to help support the production of it, uh, go to patreon.com slash back in my play. I think there's like 10 Patreons of the show, but um, it, it will help with putting money back into the show, whether it be investing in games to talk about on the show, getting weird stuff from uh, for weird consoles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you just want to say, yeah, you know, I like the show, so I'm going to throw, you know, a buck an episode, you know, Kevin's way for for putting it together. That would be super cool, and it helps you know motivate me to make sure we get new episodes out uh, and mm-hmm. things like that. So, uh, CJ, uh, thank you for for coming on the show. Where can people uh, check you out on Twitter and uh, things you got going on? I am at Superpack on Twitter. That's S U P E R P A C. Um, and you mentioned uh, playeronepodcast.com. That's basically where you can find me. But, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. This was great uh, and you know, one of my favorite games of all time to yeah. talk about. Yeah, it's a super, super good game. Um, and, again, yeah, check out you know, Player One. I'm sure, with, like, judging from iTunes, there's a lot of crossover in the audience between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't checked it out and you, you know, want people to, you know, to again, be – you know, positive about games with great, you know, uh, great feedback when it comes to, to new games and to the crazy stuff that can sometimes happen in the video game industry that we won't bring up here. Um, it is it is worth checking out for for a laugh and some good insight and some good buying advice from people that, you know, aren't necessarily on a 24-hour crunch to review a game. So uh, definitely give that a look. Also, uh, Josh, you're at, at Joshua Hillier, correct? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, I have... I think I just hit a million followers, actually. So, 
Uh, you need to still get in while you can. You you, you should follow Josh. He he posts some weird shit on Twitter, <laughs> but he, I can't help it. He he's he's definitely worth worth a follow because if the more people that follow Josh, the more he's going to post on Twitter, and the more times he's going to post pictures of like cool stuff. That's what I want to see. If I'm going to follow you, Josh, I want to see pictures mm-hmm. of here. This is me playing. Uh, you know my you know Super Nintendo and my CRT and my retro game room. I want right. more stuff like that. And you know. What? You want to, you know, be be a part of the conversation on Twitter with at Joshua Hillier and, you know, hashtag. I'll be breaking exclusives. Yeah, break some exclusives. You know, pull out these like old, you know, video game magazines, take pictures of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. That that always helps. Uh, and uh, well, yeah, man, we shouldn't record at 1130 at night. Well, one little thing I want to plug real quick, though. Yeah. Um, Neon the Ninja um, is, is a game I'm writing for right now. It's going to be a Wii U exclusive, uh, at least launch on Wii U exclusively. Exclusive. Yeah, so that is an exclusive, as funny as that is. And uh, this is a great developer. Um, he's a super talented guy uh, in Atlanta, actually, CJ. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and uh, that game is going to be awesome. The back in my play crowd will love it, but it's not going to be out for like another year. So anyway, just uh, start start looking at that stuff online. He has uh, some YouTube videos and we're going to have a demo out pretty soon and various other things. What's it like writing for a video game? Um, it very much, so I'm, I'm running for another one as well right now that I can't really get into, but anyway, it's, it depends on the person who hires me, what it's like. Uh, I have a lot of freedom on Neon the Ninja and it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, I, I'm just like, he gives me sort of a framework for what he wants in terms of characters and, uh, he just kind of lets me go crazy from there. Very cool. Is there yeah, so be it's a- mainly like scenario writing and like character backstories and stuff like that, at least in this case. Is it taking place in, like, uh, a certain country? Well, yeah. So it has, like, Mega Man's um, setup in which you're taking down eight different bosses. Um, and it's a 2D stealth action game. Uh, so sort of, you know, has, like, some Ninja Gaiden kind of feel to it and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but, cool. you know, with a little bit of, like, stealth in terms of, like, matching colors and, like, diving into backgrounds, which is the whole neon thing. Uh, and so you go kind of all around the world and even potentially, uh, solar system in order to fight different enemies, actually. Spoiler, dude. Yeah, I know. Dude, I know. You're breaking oh. embargoes. Yeah, he's, he's probably going to fire me. Oh man. That's never yeah. signing another embargo again. Yeah. After that no, last thing that happened. Shouldn't just bring me on at all. Yeah. All right. But anyway, Neon the Ninja, it's cool. Look cool. at it online. Yeah, search, uh, use Google, Google to find all that stuff. Yep. It's it's the search and use dogpile.com if it's still around. You can search multiple it is, search by engines. The way. It is. I was looking Are at it the other day. Yeah, it's still around, man. It's a meta search engine. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So dogpile, oh, man. oh my God, it is. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what brought me there. You probably uh, listened to that awesome Sega, Sega Net retrospective on mm-hmm. Back in My Play. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just like to look at pictures of dogs stacked on top of each other. And, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, th- well, that's going to do it. Um, you know, again, hit us up. Or, uh, I'm at Kevin Larby on Twitter, but if you go to at Back in My Play, you can also find me through there. And uh, yeah, lots of great stuff. And you know what? If you listen to the show, don't, you know, should connect with us. And same thing with, you know, CJ and like Greg, everyone at, at Player One. Use Twitter. It's how you can get access to, you know, the people who you you know, actually care about their opinions about stuff. So, yeah. uh, of course, as always, as we get towards the holiday season, uh, incredibly grateful to everyone out there that does download this show and that has uh, made it at least worth, uh, 
you know, tuning into. And, uh, you know, that goes to, to you, know, you, Josh, and you, CJ, for, for being great guests to, to come on and uh, share your opinions. And um, like I said, for everyone out there that, that takes the time to download the show and uh, talk about it on NeoGAF and talk about it on Twitter. And, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, like I said, incredibly grateful to see how it's grown in the first mm-hmm. 18 months. Uh, it's a cool thing. Itself. It really is. Oh, it really is. Yeah. So, tell me two years ago that this would have happened. I wouldn't have believed you. So uh-huh. uh, this is all because of you that download the show. Thank you. Um, that's it. I'm tired. Like I said, I'm rambling. I shouldn't do podcasts this late. It's like I'm drunk. It's stupid. All right. <laughs> Thanks to everyone that, that listen. Check out all that great stuff uh, via the internet. And uh, until next time, it's not even going to be Game Boy music. I'm going to leave you with more music from Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, because there's just too much to even cover. It's just so good. Go check it out. Go play it. Take care.